You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber, you go and do something like this. And totally redeem yourself! What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Totally Redeem Yourself Podcast, Podcast, Podcast. You weren't trying to get too high or too low. The fuck am I excited? Are you excited? Dude, I'm so excited. We were going to record last night and something came up and we didn't. And now we know why. Because Toffoli, Tyler Toffoli, legitimate top six right wing scorer, a goal scorer. Um, I believe his nickname is Top Titty Toff. Top Titty. Yeah. Top Titty. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and Toff. If you have a titty in your nickname, you know you're fucking badass. <laughs> so. There's a lot of things we're going to, there's a lot of directions we're going to go with this, but it's funny because you're watching some of the player reaction. They're stoked. We've talked about this. I've always thrown this out there with whatever the GM's name was in Toronto at the time, Alex Anthopoulos. When he went and got David Price, we got Tulowitzki for the, for the Blue Jays playoff run. The level of excitement that the team just generated within them, just the players themselves in the dressing room is palpable. You can see it on these guys' faces. They're stoked. Like, our GM just went and added. When was the last time Brad made a big addition like this at the deadline? He has never he has. Never. This is the biggest trade he's made in season by far. And, like, this is I, – I can't remember being – not even that I can't remember. I haven't been this excited about a trade since, like, when? Since like maybe the first time they like the Dougie Hamilton trade when they got Dougie Hamilton, and even then you were like, Holy shit, they had to give up they gave up two firsts. Wow, yeah. steep price. But like that's the last time you were stoked on a player being traded because prior to you know, this is something we've said. This is you know what I was most excited about today. Is like usually with tree living's trades, it's good and bad because it's like you gave up a lot or I thought you subtract from the roster while trying to get this guy. This was just finally a prudent hockey move where you didn't subtract from what's currently here. You didn't give up unnecessary picks. You didn't overpay. You didn't uh, blow your wad. You just got a good player for a few assets. hundred percent. I think that's, that's the majority consensus that I could tell from Twitter not only are you stoked on the player, you're stoked on the transaction itself. Because, like you said, Tyler Pitlick, 
guy hasn't fucking made the made the the lineup in how many months now? The Emil, little Pitlick. The Emil Heineman, like that's we we don't know. Yeah, you, you don't know if this guy's gonna be good or not. He came from the Bennett trade. So you're kind of working with foul money a bit in a, in a sense. Then you have a fifth. Who cares about a fifth? How many fifths turn into anything? I mean, you're rolling the dice with a fifth. Sure, the first round, that's what you but you give up a, a legitimate current NHL goal score. This guy's a 30 goals. How many goals did he score last year? All this guy does is score goals, it seems. Legitimate current 30 goal scorer in this league for a first round. It's probably gonna be a late first round. I don't see how this this team fucking completely falls apart, especially now. They'd really have to blow it. But in terms of what you gave up, it sounds like you are very happy with this move. Absolutely. It's it's palatable. It's how I would describe it. You know, this is, it's like this... it's like sure you like Heineman, but like again, what is he gonna be? The fact you didn't because I we were texting this morning when this was all going down. I was like, this okay, well, it's probably gonna be what Dubé involved, maybe Valamaki. The fact you didn't have to give up one of your stronger prospects, a, a, a NHL level slash NHL ready prospect is huge, I think especially given that you picked Heineman up in a separate trade. He's not a guy you drafted. He's not a guy you, he's not a guy you've sunk a lot of time and money into. So it's a slam dunk trade for me. This is like when they got, I know a lot of people don't, didn't like the Oliokin trade. I always thought that was one of the best trades the flames ever made. It was like Matt Lombardi, Brandon Preston at first for like Oliokinen, who was awesome for how much everybody kind of was critical of him. It was like, that's a great trade. That's three guys who don't move the need. Three things that don't really move the needle when you're a contending team for something that does move the needle. And I think the other thing that's really important about this trade is that he did it now. Yeah, the timing's huge. Not in two weeks. He did it now. He didn't. He didn't do what he usually does. Just wait, way too fucking long. Um, I think this is going to be huge to have him for a full half of a season. Yeah, and then you probably reduce your risk of having to overpay, too, if you get it done early. Oh, totally, because teams come in at the deadline, the price goes up. I think Maybe. it is a slam-dunk deal. Yeah. So let's um, let's let's talk about Brad here, because as everybody, every listener of this podcast for any length of time knows, we harp on this guy quite a bit. And the reason is because who else? Um, if this is your team, if you're the architect and you've had three playoff wins in the last six seasons, who else are we supposed to, to point our finger at? Right. Um, and time and time again, the reason why we've been harping on this guy is the lack of addressing the true needs. He goes out in the offseason, he, he gets Coleman. We say, okay, we'll buy it. He's a le- probably a legit top six player. He's starting to round into that now but you still needed more scoring. Then there's rumors that he's out there looking at more D-men. He lost out on Eichel. He's lost out on how many, how many players now. So it's becoming a running joke. Always in, right? Never close, always in. But he goes out and does. He goes, goes out and gets it done. Since Daryl has taken over this team, and they're starting to play 
Daryl Sutter hockey. They're starting to execute it. And we got a winning record. We just won five straight. Things are looking pretty good again. Now you're looking at some of the previous acquisitions. Chris Tano's been unreal. Uh, both Zadorov and Gabranson are having great seasons. You're looking at Jacob Markstrom. He has been is he, how how is this guy not in top three Vesna conversation currently? Leads the you're league in you're sitting here looking at like he only makes six million dollars. Wow, sweet. Now a lot of that credit has to go to Brad uh, Daryl Sutter, but I'm ready to start giving Brad Shulam some credit because he fucking did it. Gave his balls a tug finally. Or maybe it was Daryl that tugged those balls. I don't know what happened, but dude, motherfucker, just you were still sitting here and you're like, yeah, this is shaping out to be a good team, a solid team. Could make some damage in the playoffs, but we still need more. And you need more. It's not, we still want more. We still needed more. And we needed more goal scoring. We got it. We got more goal scoring. This guy could probably kickstart the power play, make us a little more dangerous. Well, you've already seen this play out in 2018, 2019, where he didn't do it. You know, yes. he didn't give his balls a tug. He sat on his balls. He sat right on his balls and his hands and did nothing. You finished this, first in the West and didn't add. Yeah. And this team, and that was the, that was the um, uh, basis for it, right? Oh, we're first in the, first in the West. Like what else, what do I, what am I going to do? Right? Like chemistry, schmemistry. Um, and you saw how that happened. Or how that played out. <laughs> you saw what happened. They got steamrolled by the by the Colorado Avalanche. So um, you've already seen him do something where they're a really good team and they didn't add and it bit them in the ass. Then, I mean, I think we were really frustrated last offseason. This has always been my take. It's like as good as Tanev and Markstrom were last year, did they make the playoffs last year? No. Because they didn't have enough scoring. So you have two examples of, okay, I'm going to ignore the need for scoring and it leads to your season being over with like one total playoff win in two years. So finally did it. And thank God, because dude, like does this not turn the flames into a legitimate threat now to make some serious noise in the playoffs? Yes. You just you just added a you just added a guy who who's prorated a forty goal scorer last year, twenty eight goals in fifty two games, a guy who has been a monster in the playoffs before under this head coach. Well, and a guy that the way he, the way this guy plays, you're looking at his underlings, he is going to fall right into the system, no problem. Totally. Like he already plays this style of hockey. He entered his career in the NHL playing this style of hockey. I don't just like, just makes so much sense. And then the other thing is like, look at the contract. He is on a killer contract. Well, I remember when Montreal signed him in the offseason last year, we were pissed because it's like, holy shit, he's making four, two, five, a perfect fit. Why didn't you sign him? It's a great contract. He's a Probably. perfect fit. Probably if we would have acquired to fully, then we'd be paying him more now. Would be my guess. I agree. So 
Now, I know that you were a little concerned about hearing the Toffoli rumors last week because now he's on a, he's on for two more years, which look, I love the contract. I'll take Toffoli over Monaghan at this point. Yeah. But now you're at the end of this season, you might have some trouble. You he's going to have to get creative. He's going to have to shed John Monahan. You know? Well, he's he's going to have to, which is like maybe this is even good because now it puts him in a position where it's like, hey, you have to, <laughs> you know, if you have to move him, forward, you have to move forward on probably Monahan or Backman, maybe both. I don't know, um, but like, yeah, this this adds another four two five. So Toffoli's deal. Um, he makes four two five the next three two seasons after this one, so um, that is extreme value, dude. Is it not? Oh, it's very good value, but it adds another four million to your to your payroll next year. And like we were breaking it down a couple of weeks ago, and if you pencil in Gaudreau and Kachuk for around ten million each, and Mangiapane for around five million, that leaves you that had and Chillington for like what two and a half three that left you with like eight million dollars to like fill out the rest of your roster cut that in half now um so something's gonna have to give so you gotta shed money and the end of the season it's gonna happen but watch you're gonna make the playoffs and then watch Monahan go off but then that'd be perfect that'd be perfect and you can trade him you can trade him it would be absolutely perfect so I'm really excited to see where he's going to play. I think obviously everyone's penciling him in to play on the wing with Monahan and Dubé. Uh, <laughs> Brett Ritchie spot. Um, Nobody's going to miss Brett Ritchie. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> so for Daryl. Um, I think that's a pretty easy place to put him. Obviously everyone's made that he's was roommates with Monahan in, uh, in Ottawa when they were playing junior. It's a perfect spot for him. Get well, him just, going on the power play, like holy shit! I mean, you look at the the obviously the top line is just holy fuck. We'll learn to break down some of these games. My god, they look unbelievable. Yeah, the second line, holy shit, they've been unbelievable the last three games. Well, when like, Backlund's playing like you know he's supposed to play, they are sure a difference maker as a unit. Holy, Backlund is going off currently. Let's hope he keeps it up. And then the fourth line. Like, well, I mean, you could call them the third line. They've been great. They, you know, they're not excellent in their own end, but hey, they're contributing offensively. Razichka has been a fucking awesome. Every time I see Razichka, um, I think he's Monahan, and I'm like, holy shit, Monahan looks really good. And then I'm like, oh wait, that's Razichka. It's really just that third line that's just kind of like been the weakest link. And yeah, it doesn't help that Richie is on the line. So, I mean, given the fact that the second and fourth lines are starting to click a little bit, and it's, it, it, I would say it makes most sense to slot to fully at least a start on the third line with Monaghan and Dubé. Like, if you're just sitting and you're like, okay, you got a third line of Dubé, Monaghan, and to fully, these are three guys that just score goals. Like, that's kind of all their MO. They do it in different ways. Does that not sound like a goal scoring line to you? Oh, absolutely. And I think to Foley specifically, because um, I think one thing Monaghan is not good at is creating his own chances. Uh, to Foley will create his own chances. That's one of his strengths. He will, he shoots a shit ton. He gets a lot done on the cycle. He gets stuff done off the rush. He will, he will, he doesn't need somebody to feed him and somebody to dish him pucks. He can create shit on his own. 
Yeah. So he might actually help kickstart Monaghan. Let's hope. Like, imagine we have four lines that could contribute consistently. Like, holy fuck. Well, again, this has been a thesis slash theory that's been floated out there for a while. Um, specifically as it pertains to Sean Monaghan is the kind of like use if there was a line similar to like the HBK line when Pittsburgh was in their heyday with Kessel on their third line where he's like a goal scoring threat. If you can have a, a line uh, deeper down your roster that can get some favorable matchups that has some offensive talent, that can really be a, a, a tactical advantage. Yeah, and, and Toffoli is a great two-way player too. Yeah, totally. He's a he's a very Daryl Sutter guy for sure. So if you're looking at Brad goes out, he addresses the number one need in, in my opinion, which is all like how how many times have we said in the recent past, if you just added that, like that would round out your team. You wouldn't have to tinker much after that. Maybe now he tries to get one little depth defenseman for the run, but you still got Val Mackey. Like he'll be ready to jump up. So you kind of already have that. But how much, like, does Tyler DeFoley at this stage of the game not make you a complete team? Absolutely. I mean, we've already we've already kind of alluded to, man, this team is going to be interesting if it makes the playoffs. Now you add DeFoley with a month, a month before the deadline. Like, the timing of this is brilliant, in my opinion. Well, and the timing of it, while they're playing really well, while they're playing good hockey. Um, like, they interviewed Lucic and Monaghan today, and they were both stoked. I mean, it stoked his Monaghan. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, yeah. Um, but, I mean, you're, you're telling me this isn't a huge a huge morale booster for the team? Like, oh. you're telling me Johnny Gaudreau isn't like, thank fucking God. I just hope they put him on PP1 tomorrow night. Slot Monahan down to PP2. Let's see Johnny feeding this guy now. Right-hand shot. Put him in Monahan spot. Love it, dude. So, I mean, like, this is like, okay, I, I don't want to wax poetic about Brad Trilliving too much, but, it, like, the fact that, like I said, he didn't subtract from the roster significantly. The fact yeah. that he did it way before the trade deadline, the fact that he even made the pick top 10 protected, which seems like, well, as if they'll finish in the top 10. But I'm glad he did that because remember the Hamannick trade? His pick wasn't protected, and they ended up sucking that year, and the Islanders got the 12th overall pick, and it turned into Noah Dobson, who's really good. So I'm glad that he was thinking about things like that. Um, and, I mean, even the fact that it was Pitlick going the other way, like I, this is probably – his best trade on paper. Plus the value of the contract. Like Tyler DeVoy is on a great contract. Yeah. He makes just over $4 million. And I mean, sure. He's a bit older. Um, he's, I think he's turning 30 this year. Is he 29? He's a 92 birthday. So maybe he's already 30. Um, turning 30 this year, but he's not a guy who like, you know, skating has ever really been his game anyways. He's more of a Sutter guy. He's going to play tough hockey. He's going to be in on the forecheck. He's going to be slamming around a bit. So um, it's not like this is Troy Brower at 30. I think, I hope. James Neal. James Neal. So um, it feels like this trade 
has is Brad Tree Living learning from all of his mistakes in the past and making a good decision? This is a slam dunk, dude. I mean, he's apparently he's like best friends with Lucic. Yeah, the, they Did you were. Know this? Uh, yeah, they, they were at Lucic, each other's wedding or something. Lucic says they hang out every um, All Star break and and Bay mandated break. That's what Lucic said. So these guys are like serious buds. The Foley is really good friends with Lucic's family. Um, he knows Markstrom. He knows Tanev. Oh, he knows he Richardson said, Lewis. Yeah, it goes. I think back the, I to, think the Daryl connection is is the biggest oh, man, thing, though. That's like, fucking massive. Yeah, like I come agree. on, like Toffoli in in the 2013-2014 season, where LA wins the Stanley Cup. He uh, they play twenty six games. Toffoli has seven goals, seven assists, fourteen points in that playoff run. So like, totally instrumental. Totally. Yeah, I agree. The biggest, the biggest connection you get excited about is the Sutter previous connection. And I mean, it's hilarious to listen to Daryl talk about him, right? Because like everybody's asking Monahan and Lucic, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we're best friends, blah blah." blah. But then Daryl's like, oh, "I don't know. I coached him six years ago." It's yeah. Daryl is keeping this totally even keel. Now he may be excited deep down, but he's not showing it, and he probably knows. This is the great thing about Daryl. The bar is the Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. It's not about fucking acquiring good players. So there's nothing to get excited about. Like he's got his eye on the prize, man. It's awesome. Yeah, he's not. Um, he's not losing focus anytime soon. He's not just gonna, you know, be like, "Oh, we got to fully know we're guaranteed a win." He's like, "There's still a fuck ton of work to do." The other connection is the Monahan connection. They played Ottawa 67s together, junior. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean... He's a guy I looked up to, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Did they roommate, too? They were roommates, they were roommates. yeah. Their roommates played together. They were probably the one and two fucking... They probably played on the same line, didn't they not? Yes, I, guess, uh, I, think, I think so. I think I've seen pictures of them, like, scoring goals and shit. Yeah, I mean... Uh, starts tonight. Dude, Who I'm so it? fucking stoked. Like, every time I just... They, the Flames even, like, put a picture of him in the jersey today like and a fuck it's just goddamn I'm so stoked i can't wait to see him in white dude oh shit yeah so tell us where you're at with brad you're living currently um he he he's fucking did exactly what he was supposed to do and i'm very pleased Gotta love it. Okay, do you have... But, like, I will say, like, okay, if Brad really wants to uh, win the day here, like, he could still go out and, you know, grab some Joe Pavelski or something. What else can he do? I mean, we were... This is not a cap issue at all because of the crude cap space, or are we still going to have more room? Um, I think that eats up a lot of your room at the deadline, so any trade that they would have to make would probably have to have some money going out. Yeah, I don't think he's he's doing much more than I think he's done, but I'm just saying, you know. Joe Pavelski, Joe. Joe Pavelski's out there, you know. If you want to win the cup this season, right? Go get Joe Pavelski too. Or is that too like, much to ask? I I just think like now's the time, and I guess he knows that too, right? Like 
I don't even think next year, the, the thought shouldn't even extend to next year right now. Cause it's like, everything's going so well right now. And Daryl Sutter has these guys playing so well. Like it's so fucking hard to be a good hockey team year to year in this league that when shit is going well. And again, we've seen this, we saw this in 2018, 2019, right? It's like I was saying earlier, it's like, they were so good and they just kind of sat back. Yeah. We'll see what happens. It's like, then the next year they stunk. So it's like, you have to jump at the chance when you are playing good and things are going well and things are clicking and your coach has your team playing really well, fucking go for it. Like this, this, the hesitancy, true living's hesitancy in the, in the past has cost this team. So now's the time. And I'm glad he's realizing that. Money puck had uh, the power rankings. The flames were ranked number one. Well, See dude, that? we've, yeah, we've won what six in a row. And we're absolutely dominating some of the best teams in the league. Oh, fuck, man. You blow out the Panthers. You blow out St. Louis. You blow out Vegas. We demolished those three teams on home ice. The Toronto one was a bit different. We got outplayed for a lot of it. But on the scoreboard, you blew them out 5-2. You you beat them up physically. You beat the piss out of them. We'll talk about that. Steve Dangles. Hey, we uh big reality check for Steve Dangle, apparently. He's got nothing but you know high hopes for, for the way this Calgary team's flame seems built. And then you, you make it six in a row, another five-two win. Like we're not these aren't empty netters here, man. These are like we're scoring five, six goals a game right now. I'm not saying that's gonna last, but they are there's a recipe for success here that they're everybody's starting to get a taste for. And you got the guy at the helm that will make sure that that does not slip away. And I think that's the best thing, right? This isn't going to slip. You know, like I even thought the top line, um, and we'll talk about the games individually, but against the Islanders, and a few times this year, there have been games when the top line kind of looks like they're starting to uh get away from what Daryl's trying to do. But then it's like corrected immediately. And the next time they come out gangbusters, just playing sound 200 foot hockey. It's like, he's not going to let any part of this slip at all ever. No. And the more success these players experience, the more they're going to buy in. And then your GM goes out and shows faith in you and gets you a fucking legit good hockey player. (laughs) Score rules. Legit good hockey player, right? Like, Tavoli doesn't need to come in here and be 30, 40 goal savior. It's just like, he just is good. And that's all this team needs. Your team just got fucking better. And I mean, you can look at this longer term too. It's just like, with this move, is that not more incentive for Johnny and Chucky to want to stay too? Oh, absolutely. Like they know that they, the team does not rely on just the two of them anymore. And not the two of them have to generate all the fucking goals. Well, and they know the team is at least in part like trying to win here, you know, and acquire good players and not just fuck around. Yeah, they're committed to winning by fucking making improvements. So, how excited are you? Dude, I'm so I just keep kind of forgetting. I'm like, holy shit, we got the Foley. 
Because, like, you know, when you get Coleman, it's like, yeah, I like Coleman. And he's a good player, but he doesn't really have the same, like, cachet and shit like a guy like Toffoli has. You know? Yeah. Like, fuck, we got fucking Toffoli. Like, you, this guy just seems, all he does, especially when he changes teams, scores goals. Just goes off. Well, dude, like, uh, the Canadians were in the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> right? And he was great for them in the in the playoffs last year. Well, on the year before that, fucking the Canucks go to the third round. He was great for them. So he was he was money for the Canucks, dude. He, he had like what six? He had like six goals in ten games after. I remember we were all fuming. It was like, why couldn't we get to Foley? Well, even the the regular season last year for the. Canadians, he was. Remember, he scored like six game winners in a row. It was unbelievable. Yeah, he, he. This has like some Mike Camilleri vibes going on when the Flames got Camilleri, and it was like, holy shit, we have somebody who can score other than Joe McGinley now. Weird. This is crazy. So I'm pretty stoked. I'm really, dude. I just can't wait. Is the game tomorrow? Yeah, the game's tomorrow. I cannot wait to watch the game tomorrow. He'll probably play tomorrow. Yeah, well, I think he's showing up Monday night. Apparently, so should be. Should we play him around? Like I'm I sure, can't off, I sure can't fucking wait even to see him play. And like I like holy shit, I can't wait. Oh man, I hope he's on PP one. Now, if if you're if you're looking at kind of over time, where do you see him slotting? I guess I'll just depend if if lines two and four keep keep going the way they do. Yeah. Um, does this mean Richie's out of the lineup, or does Richie bump down to line four? Uh, I think it means Richie's out of the lineup. I don't see any reason to keep a guy who has zero points in the lineup. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe this is why Daryl has been playing Richie there. Like how much of, of Daryl's strategy is just like pointing out the I, glaring weakness. I will show you the glaring weakness. <laughs> if you want Brett Richie on this roster, I'm going to put him here. So, you know what you're missing otherwise. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. So, but where do you, what would be, I'm just, I'm just thinking kind of in the future here. Do yeah. you think like, let's say lines two and four keep going and he starts on the third line. I guess it depends if everybody's clicking and everybody's contributing, he'll stay there. But where do you think he belongs on this roster? Well, if he stays there, which would be sweet, because if he, if, if that can kickstart Monaghan to get going, then it's like you have two trade lines trade yeah. acquisitions because now you have another guy who can score again yeah um i don't know like when i envisioned Foley on this team it was more in in the off season last year where i was like oh he could play on the right side with Kudrow and monahan and then you know you'd have a lindholm manjapani kachuk line um so i don't know daryl hasn't tinkered much with the lines lately i don't think you would screw with what the backland line has going on right now no not right now um, it's because they're gelling, man. I fuck, they look good. Yeah, so I I don't know. I I think those would be the lines. Uh, for the time being, maybe you move Lucic up in Dubé's spot at some point if Dubé kind of keeps the the thing about Dubé though. The thing about Monahan and Dubé that I think Toffoli will help them is they are two guys who kind of, especially in Dubé's case, have generated a lot of scoring chances this year, but can't fucking score a goal. Probably partially because Brett Ritchie's on the ice with them. 
Well, the Brett, Brett Ritchie does not generate offense. He is not a play driver. What does he do? He does the opposite of generate. He kills offense. Exactly. You know, what? like Dubay will set him up right in the slot and he'll blow it into row six. What impact can Tyler Toffoli have alone on the other two two line mates is going to be interesting. To yeah, watch. totally. Like, right? Like, you look at Dubay's on-ice shooting percentage this year. It's been fucking brutal. A guy put a guy who can, you know, generate his own scoring chances and score, score goals on his wing. That'll bump up for sure. So I think it naturally makes sense. Um, I don't know, unless like because what has Daryl done with the Coleman line when they when Monjapani has been playing with them? Like sometimes he's had Monjapani with Monaghan. Um, so maybe you go like Monjapani or that's, that's Col- Coleman and Monaghan with Tafoli or something. That's the, the other thing. It's like now that you have you legit, have options, you have legit top top nine. Everybody's this isn't a thing now where it's like every player in your top nine belongs in your top nine. This isn't a thing where if okay, you want to if you want to shake things up, it's like okay, I'll move Manjapani here. That means Lucic is on is in the top nine or like Richie's in the top nine, right? It's like yeah, like the, the top nine can be scrambled and still have all top nine players. The options are almost endless at this point. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, I'm so stoked. Ooh, boy. Fuck, dude. And like I dude, like I haven't been this excited. Like, when's the last time you were this? Probably the last time you were this excited was the heading into the playoffs. The year they were one of the best teams in the league. Yep, like that's that's the last time I was this excited to watch the Flames play out a stretch of games here. Hundred percent. Okay, let's let's look at these past three games because my God, these guys are playing well. How good has Backlund been? I mean, he's been he's been a focal point of criticism. And rightfully so. And so much so that Daryl's been publicly stating we need more from, from Michael Backlund. We, we need more from our centermen that aren't on the top line. I mean, if they, we need more production, period, more production. So, I mean, Kent Wilson put out a tweet, second half, Backlund. Right, that we've seen back and go through stretches. He does seem to be a lot better in the second half of the season, from what we've seen the past few seasons. But, dude, the, Michael Backlund needs to continue playing this well. He has to. But my God, is he being good? Well, yeah, it's the need, right? Like, because you've seen, because that's what we've been harping on, right? Because um, I know people like to think we just pick on players because we're dicks which maybe that's partially true but like he has been so bad this year and the reason it's so frustrating is because he's a real linchpin on this team especially with monahan not being the player he once was right like when the backland line specifically and we've seen this before too i remember the year that uh ward took over right before the shutdown when all the sh- league shutdown shit happened remember how good the backland manjapani kachuk line was playing oh like yeah. they were, they were unfucking real, and the Flames, like that's how the Flames made the playoffs that year, is because yep. they won like six games there because that line was so good. So they're a real Backlund specifically is a real linchpin when he is being the player that um, he used to be a lot of the time and has been kind of in spurts the last few years. When his line can uh, be an eraser line and do what they've been doing, like shut down the Matthews line, and yep. he's scoring, and like. I just remember that 2018, 2019 season, like every time they play the avalanche, except in the playoffs, 
the back of the line was so good. Like there's that famous clip of Nathan McKinnon freaking out on the bench because he's yeah. so pissed off. It's like it Michael Backlund shut him down all night. Like oh, Backlund, yeah, like he, he was going through a stretch where he was shutting down Connor McDavid. Yeah. A couple seasons ago. Like when Backlund's at that level, this team is a different team. Well, and and like you said, that is an ultimate weapon for Daryl Sutter to deploy against other top lines. So that's why it's been so frustrating this year. Yeah. But that's why we're blowing teams out of the water. And these are the top teams in the league. We're blowing the top teams in the league out of the water. Absolutely smashing them. So apparently Backlund has this reputation in a locker room as well. His nickname, apparently his nickname is second half back. Do you know this? Really? That's what Blake Coleman says. Okay. So the guys know apparently bad, and it is true. Like he, yeah, it's true. It's it's statistically backed up. Like he always seems to be, he seems to be a streaky second half guy. So um, well, he's been turning it up and turning it up. He's been a lot better in the second half. Yeah, but I, I guess we're just ending the first half, so we're entering the second half now. But that Vegas game, dude. Uh oh, I mean, he was just as good as anybody. I've seen all season long. So he has four primary points in that game. Uh, season, our career high. He was all over the ice. He was sh- like, I mean, again, Vegas is kind of beat up, but um, man, he was good. So you have, let's, let's whip through this game here. Six, nothing against Vegas. Johnny opens it up with the give and go from Kachuk. I mean, holy the, the, fucking shit, dude, dude, that line. I, that is the best line in the league. Dude, not? it's not even a discussion. Like, like you folks, watch Kachuk and Gaudreau on that play, and it's just like, holy shit. We have the top line in the league. They may not be the most flashy, although they 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 are they have been lately. Oh that's God. That's a flashy play, dude. Half the stuff that Johnny Gaudreau does is just ridiculous. Backland um, at the end of the power play snipes one. Lindholm has a low key snipe, make a three nothing, like that. This is the one where Lindholm comes down. Petrangelo gives him too much space, allows him to walk into the top of the circles. He just rifles the top shelf. Yeah. But do you remember the replay from behind the net? Like the velocity on that shot. Like no one's saving that dude. Yeah, that's a wicked snipe. That didn't go off anything. It just went shelf. Like, the, like oh, the speed that that puck came in when you look at the replay from behind the net. Mind blowing that shot. Lindholm is is starting to to pick it up, is he not? Yeah, there was a little bit of the lull there where he wasn't scoring a lot, but he's starting to put the puck in the back of the net again. Yeah, but even even you know, in fairness, because apparently when the team went through the COVID thing, yeah, Lindholm, that's right. Lindholm was hit sound like the worst. So there there's a reason why he, he kind of tapered off there, but. That top line, that second line, oh man, like are you how much fun are you having watching this team right now? Dude, it's so enjoyable. And um like I still think everybody is sleeping on how good Matthew Chuck has been this year. I agree. Like, fuck has he been good? Like, I know everybody's talking about how like Lindholm Selkie, Lindholm Selkie, like. And I guess because he plays on the penalty kill and has been a, the penalty kill has been awesome this year, that that probably rings more true. But like 
Kachuk is just so good when he's on the ice. Like, have you oh. seen he made? Have you seen him make a bad play this year? Man, he's been good. Just think though, like, what would that line be without Kachuk? It would not be. No, it would be nothing. Well, think, think about what the line was like the year prior with Monaghan. That's what it would be like. And it's, it is funny because this is why people have been advocating and we've been advocating hard. Put Johnny and Chucky together. And now we're starting to see them. I mean, they had instant chemistry, but now their level of chemistry is just like, it's getting a little absurd, dude. <laughs> well, that give and go is just like, holy cow. Um, and then you have back this fourth goal. This is Maggio Pawnee's 21st goal of the season. That pass from Backland, that was the no-look pass that finds uh, Manji Pawnee in the slot. Manji Pawnee buries. Dude, that's also a sick finish from Manj there. Like, he's like, whew. It is. I mean, and you watch that replay from Yeah, the, that's like, wicked. <laughs> that pass comes so quick and the shot comes so quick. Like, what a goal. And then your fifth goal is Chucky between the legs. And I, <laughs> yeah, come on, come on. What'd you think? I know you don't like this, but when he, unless he scores, would you like that? Was so well, sweet. that was sweet. It's, I always laugh whenever he scores like that because I'm like, that little prick. <laughs> but it's, I mean, it's pretty sweet when he does it. Mangiapani, Brett Chesley's new favorite player, scores his 22nd. Yeah, Backlund, another nice little dish, like. Bunchapani scoring all those slot goals. He knows where to find like and the fact it's going in for him now, because like for the longest time he wasn't fucking scoring on home ice. He was like shooting it all over the place. So dude's on pace for 44 goals. Ah. Oh man. Like 44. Nobody scored 40 since Iggy. This <laughs> is nuts. You're right, dude. Back on the whole linchpin thing, 100 percent accurate. The second line is starting to go off. Coleman's starting to find his form. I don't see how you break this lineup currently. The way they're no, playing. and I like remember when Coleman was signed, we were that was one of the things we were excited about was the prospectus of Manjapani, Backlund, Coleman together. Yeah, like that's going to be a wrecking ball line, and that's what they have been the last few games. And you're seeing, you know, under a Daryl Sutter coach team, how important that is. Three guys who can skate, three guys who can play in both ends, three guys who are hard on pucks. It's a handful. Power play goes one for two. You want to give us the game stats? So the Flames have 33 shots. Vegas, 28. The penalty kill. Dude, the penalty kill has been so good. Yeah, it has. Holy shit. For as much as we bitch about the power play, which is really frustrating to watch, the penalty kill has has been just incredible. So shot attempts at five on five. Flames have 48. Vegas has 36. Scoring chances, 31 to 19. Calgary. High danger chances, 13 to 8. Flames have 60% of the expected goal share to Vegas is 40%. Top game scores, Backland, Kachuk, Hannafin, Manchapani, Kadrow. You absolutely spank the Vegas Golden Knights. And you know what? Like, I think beating Vegas, I know everybody, because I remember when we went through the little uh, Florida, Carolina, Tampa road trip where we got, our lunch money stolen. Um, 
that was a measuring stick. But I think for specifically for Vegas, because Daryl talks about Vegas a lot. I think Vegas is a good team to examine because number one, they play a similar game to what the flame, they play big, heavy hockey. Um, and number two, in order to go anywhere in the playoffs, the flames will likely have to go through Vegas. So I think anytime the flames play them, I'm always really curious to see how they're playing, how they respond. Um, and they fucking shit can them. So Absolutely. In terms of measuring sticks, that's a huge one. And I know they are without some of their best players, but yeah. I mean, grain of salt for sure. They didn't have stone. Michael's not in yet. They're out without Patch Ready, too. Uh, I think Patch Ready played, didn't he? Yeah, I think he did. So, but they're they're out, they're out some key guys, and it's a, a second half of a back to back. But the point is. And I saw Kent Wilson tweet this. They usually lose those games. So for them to A, actually beat a team when they're down and absolutely shit can the Vegas Golden Knights, a team that you really struggled with since they've entered the league and continue to, to build on your home ice prowess, A+. plus. Well, I think that's a good macro point is they're winning games they usually lose. Yeah. We said that about the Arizona game too, right? End of a road trip, feeling good, gimme game. That's one under Jeff Ward. Fuck, you lose that game 10 out of 10 times. And they did the exact opposite against Arizona where they absolutely beat the living piss out of them for 60 minutes. So they're winning games they used to lose. Then you go to the Toronto game. My God, is it just a pleasure to beat. Dude. Beating the Leafs is my – I think I like beating the Leafs more than I like beating the Oilers. Well, that's because we haven't beat the Oilers. You don't know it. Like, yeah, when was good. the last time we beat the Oilers? Good point. You forget, you forget how fucking glorious that yeah. is because it never happens. Well, it's even more so fun to beat the Leafs because – No, the- what's, what's so fun about beating the Leafs is when they have fucking a boatload to complain about afterwards. Right? You, oh, we beat geez. them up physically and – beat them up physically? Yeah. And you always say this, right? That's your favorite you. way to beat teams, right? Not yes. only beat them on the scoreboard, but beat them down. Yes. Beat the piss out of them. Be, take their spirit away. Ah, this is fucking delicious. Yeah. Wasn't especially, it? especially with all the fucking bitch-ass Leafs fans in the Saddle Dome. Go home to Ontario, you bunch of losers. Why are you in Calgary? Why are you in Alberta? Get out of here. So... Sandine opens up the scoring. This, I think this is the TSN turning point, to be honest. Mangiapane ties it up the next shift. Yeah, absolutely. And look, the pass from Backlund was okay. He was in the vicinity. The way that, that Mangiapane was able to corral that pass in a way where he was deceptive enough to kind of fake a shot almost while he's corralling the pass to give himself some space and then finish it. This guy is a goal. That was a goal scorer's goal. And to do it in that timely manner, right? Just when you're like, oh, fuck, okay, we're down one, one nothing to the Leafs. They're pressing. The Leafs were looking good. Dude, that's such a sweet goal. Holy shit. It's so good. See, games like that are what you live for. And those are games we've had like that. That's why so many Flames fans are just so, have been so bummed out the last two years is because like, yeah. They in games like these where you know it's like the Wednesday night game, 
it's the Leafs. It's like hype. And like, they always seem to suck and they're never up to the challenge. And it's like, you're watching that game and you watch Mondiapani score that goal and it's on the next shift. And even though the building's half empty, it's just like, you're so jacked up. Cause it's like, we're in it. We're in it every night. Every game is fucking fun to watch. Whether you win or lose, you're in every game. Yeah. Oh man. I'm just, I'm watching that. I'm, I'm, I'm jumping out of my seat for every goal. Exactly. That's what I mean. It's not just like you're just like stoked again. You're stoked to watch the Flames play hockey. Then um, Rasmus Anderson sets up Hannafin. What a pass. <laughs> what a play, dude. Anderson has been playing possessed, dude. Yeah. So the Anderson, the Toronto game for Anderson is what the, the Vegas game for Bathlin was. Yeah, he was great. He was unbelievable in this game. He comes down, he dishes it off, and it's funny because, you know, what, last season into half of this season when Anderson starts skating it around the entire – he likes to do the entire lap around <laughs> defensive zone, eh? And then typically he just ends up with nothing. So when he starts doing it, you start going – start rolling your eyes. Oh, here goes Anderson. But he found Hannafin, unbelievable pass, and then he did it again the next game when he finds Rizicka for the first goal against the Islanders. Like Hanif or uh, Anderson is is playing. This is the Anderson that we grew to love. This is the Anderson who, when he signed his deal, were like hell's yeah, slam dunk. Not the Anderson we grew to hate. The Anderson yeah. we grew to love. Last year was tough. Okay, hey, when he's skating around, he's making plays and ends up in the back of the net. Now you like the flow hanging out the helmet. Yeah, totally. He looks like an old school. He looks like he's right out of the eighties with the, with the flow number four of those jerseys. Love it, but that's a great. That's a set play for sure. Like that was that was magic. Shillington uh, gets on the board. A little bit of lucky um, goes off the stick. Yeah, but it's nice to get a power play goal, right? You know, that's, Yo, that's back to back power play goal game. Nice to, if you win the face off, dude. Monahan hey, definitely didn't win that, right? We've been good on the draws. Maybe Monty's been better on the draws. Well, yeah, we've been working yeah. on it in practice and. I'm going to start to practice tonight. But I think Backlund won that trial with my hand won it. Yeah, that's probably PP2, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lindholm with the unreal pass from Johnny for the fourth of the game. The Johnny just. Dude, he's on another planet. Like, if you're, if you're Lindholm, just try and find, just try and sneak into the slot. Well, okay. Cause... That was, that was, yeah. Right. That's another shift where it's just like, all right, sorry for the interruption, folks. Just got to get an award from our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. So for NBA fans, the latest offer for DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get 150 bucks in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state or you live in Canada, you can still get a big payday with huge cash prizes from DraftKings daily fantasy basketball contests so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now use the promo code THPN as in the Hockey Podcast Network and bet just $1 on any NBA team and get 150 bucks in free bets if they win promo code is THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA plus only minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction see draftkings.com sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state specific responsible gaming resources void where prohibited 
There's a minimum $5 deposit. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If you live in Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789. If you're in Connecticut, call 888-789-QUADRUPLE-7 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY. So Johnny Gaudreau gets that half breakaway on on the play before that. Kind of gets, I don't know if he got hooked or what, but he couldn't quite make it happen. The Flames just regroup, bolt up the ice again, and it's in the net. Just yeah. like, fuck. And like something that's just like, I've been really impressed with the last few games is the Flames transition game. Like, especially yeah. against the Leafs. Like they've been just like bolting out of, like transition's been a huge strength for this team over the last six, seven games. And I think I tweeted this earlier in the season, but I tweeted Lindholm is the new Monty when it became official. But this this is now the deadly pass shot duo. I think just as maybe not quite as effective as as peak Monty Johnny, but pretty damn close. Yeah, Lindholm. I think Lindholm is just. Um... Monahan, I think Pete Monahan obviously had a better shot. Like, fuck, that guy used to be able to shoot. But um, Lindholm is he can keep up with Johnny probably a lot more than Monahan ever could. The fifth goal from Anderson. This is a this is a great goal. I don't know why he's gets so much space. Maybe the Leafs need to work on their defensive zone coverage. But he picks that top shelf off in a way where. He, he waits to go behind traffic. He knows that um, Campbell's not going to be able to see it. Well, yeah, you can see him know that it's going in before it's even in. Yeah. Like, what a goal. Yeah. And like you said, to do that with the Leafs fans yelling soup all night, like, come on. Yeah. What a stupid nickname, soup. Come on. Yeah, that's pathetic. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to, ooh. On soup? <laughs> Fuck, that's stupid. And he sucked. <laughs> he was he terrible. Sucked. He got lit up. <laughs> he got he lit up a, for five. He had a rough game. All right, highlight of the night. I'm, Dude, highlight of the year, I think. Highlight of the year? Well, Wait, was pre- this the pretty first? Close. Was this first or second period? Second period? Uh, this was the first, wasn't it? They ne- The thing is, they never show hits in highlight packs. It's so annoying. Even monster hits like this one, eh? Yeah. Oh, we so, got to make sure the kid got to take violence out of the game. Yeah, I think you're right. It was later in the first period. Yeah. Uh, Nikita Zadorov absolutely fucking destroys. <laughs> Is it Andrew Kasha? Andre, however you An- want to say it. Andre Kasha. Absolutely fucking destroys him. That was my. That, was that the biggest hit of the year you've seen? Like that Dude, that's the biggest fucking... hit I've seen since when? Like when's the bit last time you saw a hit like that? Every little thing about this is so delicious. I mean, you frame by frame. Kasha actually high sticks Zoro. If you look at it frame by frame, <laughs> but he just—it's like running. It was like a freight train, dude. It was dude, like he is a freight train. Like the the high stick, it's like he almost broke a stick on his face while getting absolutely demolished. Helmet flies off. He goes right to the bench. He would have went right to the bench even if his helmet stayed on. But did he even come back from that? No, <laughs> I don't think he did. And then it's just like 
Then you got, then it was later in the game, it was uh, bunting. Zadorov kind of pushes him. He lands on Markstrom awkwardly. Zadorov with one hand just fucking pulls him out of the net, just throwing him around. You got Cabranson in there. It was at this point in the game, because I was, I was, whenever we play the Leafs, I love watching, if we beat them, I love yeah. watching Dangles, you know, uh, real time t- tweeting and post game is a little LFR video he does. But he was losing his shit, dude. He's like, there's no way we beat this Calgary Flames team in a four or seven game series. We will get physically beat by this team. And so let's have a conversation about this. Did you watch his LFR? Yeah, I did. So now this is, again, coming back to Bradtree Living, maybe his vision is starting to Maybe he does. Maybe he has had it all the, all the time, or he's just getting lucky. I don't know. But Daryl has been crucial. Daryl is starting to make everything work, right? All these big, big players, these acquisitions of size and grit. Where you look at these guys underlying, you're like, these guys are terrible. Why are we picking them up? But now they're actually playing excellent hockey under Daryl Sutter. And then you have the contrast of the Leafs. The Leafs have more skill than we do across the board. Oh, by and a mile. Like they were generating so much more. I think if you play that game a few more times, unless you can continue to physically dominate them, that they probably win the majority of the games. But maybe there is something to this. If you're looking at from Dangle's perspective, if you're playing in a, in a hard, physical, seven-game ser- best of seven series, Dangle just doesn't think that the Leafs have the ability to to – outplay because they're getting beat down physically. Well, you, I think you've seen this from the Leafs a lot. Like you've seen Boston do it to them more times than you can count. But I mean, you even saw the Montreal Canadiens do it to them last in the first round last year. Yeah. Right. It's like, holy shit, the Leafs are dominating them every game and they can't win. They didn't win this series. They blew it. They blew it. Boston completely did that to Vancouver. Like, that was the ultimate – I think that the, the 2010 or 2011 uh, Canucks-Bruins series was the ultimate test of that because, I mean, yeah. that Canucks team, I've said this many times, I think that's the best team, like, skill-wise, that has been assembled in the salary cap era. Like I, They were so good that year. It was incredible. And, and Boston just and beat Bo- them. In, in the last game of the series, in game seven – they couldn't Boston beat them. What? Like three, nothing. And who are the big players in that guys? Like, well, obviously Bergeron, right? Marchand, their goaltender, Chara, Lucic. I'm not saying let size wins, but in the playoffs, there's more elements than just scoring goals that, you know, well, I mean, the most, the most skilled team usually doesn't win the Stanley cup. And I think you've seen that from Tampa Bay the last two years. Um, Hey, we saw it. We saw it against Dallas. The size they had on the back end. Yeah, totally. Like, I mean, not even in the back end, but you saw, you saw the Gaudreau Lindholm Monahan line get outworked in that series for sure. And the, really, the only line that was effective against Dallas was the Bennett Lucic Dubé line. Yeah, they were fucking fuck. They were that was fucking fun. effective as fuck. That was so fun to watch. <laughs> so, it's an interesting um, way to look at it. But I mean. We're starting to see this with, with just that duo of uh, Zadorov and Gabranson. When they're playing well defensively, 
that must be a fucking nightmare. Not only are they playing solid defense, they're destroying people. Was there a fight this game? No, the Islanders game, though. Okay. Yeah, Gabranson. Yeah, Gabranson. Scary motherfucker. I mean, hey, Lucic hasn't even fought for like I know two, three weeks now. But right, like I and again, maybe it's just the old school hockey fan in me. But when like Sidorov like picks bunting off Markstrom, I'm just like, fuck yeah. Dude, he pulled him out of there with one hand. One like arm. I'm like, don't fuck with us. And then ragdoll him a bit. And then he's trying to stand up. He's looking up. At Zidorov, and there's Gabranson right there bullying him. Like, it's fun. To so be, fun. It's fun to be tougher than the other team. Like, yeah. It, like, it just is. It is. It's fun. As long as you're winning, it's the ultimate. When you're winning and it's actually helping you win, like, how much the best thing ever was how amazing would that have been to be a Bruins fan? Oh, geez, dude. When they actually beat the Canucks and beat them down in that seven game series, a team that's better than you skill wise, but you, you manhandle them. I mean, a lot, a lot of those Bruins teams, like the year they had Iggy and like he, he played on a line with Lucic, like, holy shit. (laughs) Can you imagine going up against that? Now I bring this up because, We've talked with it. We've, I, I remember one of the first episodes we ever did. Yeah, it was we, like, was because Lou Cheech was on the team and we were debating the grit factor. And I took one side, you took the other. And I, and I think we're starting to see the effectiveness of having grit. As long as you're playing a cohesive team game, and that's what they're doing under Daryl. They're playing. Oh, right. Because I, I think what we've seen before is tree living just like throw. Because after the Colorado whoop ass whooping in the playoffs, right? Like that's when they decided, okay, we're just gonna go get Lucic. And that's gonna be the answer to this. I was like, well, that didn't really change anything. It's just like, okay, now you're paying five million dollars for a guy who can fight. It doesn't change unless the style of the team changes. Um but yeah, but now you have Lucic on your fourth line where he should be. And and Daryl has had him there for how many consecutive weeks now? Well, and he realized that pretty early on, right? That's where he's going to be the best. Yeah. I mean, that helps, too, have a coach knows what he's doing and not playing Lucic in the top six all year. <laughs> but... But, I mean, even leveraging guys, right? Because that's what, that's what I think we were in terms of the guys they acquired in the off season, it wasn't just like, okay, we're going to get Ronaldo and Lucic and yeah, now we're tough. Now it was, we're going to get Coleman. Who's a really good player and yeah. a really heavy player and plays really hard defensive hockey and is a pain in the ass deal. Zadorov again, for all the shit everyone gives him. Like we said this off the top is like, he's still a really good defensive player. Like his defensive impacts over his career have been fantastic. He's really good at defense. Um, when you start bringing guys who are really good at defense and really big and really physical, that's when I can get behind it. And that's when you start probably seeing results as opposed to, yeah, we're going to have a couple guys who can fight every once in a while in the lineup. I think that's where their mistake has been in the past. And I mean, even when you look at what, 
Brad has valued previously in like, uh, I think guys like Troy Brower. It's like, well, he's like, because what? Because he's won? Because he won yeah, a Stanley Cup 15 one, years ago? He had one, one good playoff? One good postseason. So, I don't know. How much you attribute this to Daryl's coaching as opposed to the specific players Brad Shiving brought in? I don't know, but it's working right now, and I fucking love it. Well, and Toffoli is going to – Toffoli is – Oh, totally. Oh, He's got grit too, man. This guy plays hard nose. Oh, absolutely. He doesn't play light hockey. <laughs> I guess, oh, like boy. that was the thing. Like again, if you're if you're of our age and you were able to watch the Flames play in 2004, and again, that was a really different team because they had like literally no skill, literally like none. like literally none. Except for like, Jerome. Like, and even Jerome is like he's not the most skilled. He's probably the least what he's probably the least skilled. Like. Hall of Famer. Yeah, like the dude just scored goals because he was a fucking monster. It was like, I'm scoring. It wasn't really because he had like a shit ton of skill, but the funnest part of that was watching the Flames like kill teams on a nightly basis. Like just kill them. Like watch the again the line go out and kill them. And then the Chris Simon hops over the boards and kills them. And then Robin <laughs> Gears killing everybody in the corner. Christophe Oliwa. Yeah, Oliwa comes out and kills a guy. And then Chris, it was just so much fun to watch them physically beat the shit out of teams for two months. Dude, even, even Rhett Warner was a fucking beast, man. Oh, dude. Andrew Ference even played. Mike so. Commodore. Andrew Ference played big boy hockey, too. Oh, dude. He, if you, he's the epitome of big boy hockey. So. This so, this yeah. is big boy hockey because we we are in a good spot right now. Yeah, like look like look at the blue like look at the last few Stanley Cup winners right like the Blues. Big boy hockey, big boys played. They didn't play a tough game, but you know what I mean. They play yeah. big. They play a big game. It's like Daryl has said with Vegas. It's like that's how they play. Fuck. And you got your like. We're gonna finish this this Toronto game on Markstrom. You got a world class goalie. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like this is. I don't like. There's no way we're not making the playoffs, dude. At this point, there's probably a small percentage chance we don't win the division. I don't want to get too excited here because Jack Eichel's coming back this week, and Vegas is gonna, you know, be a juggernaut soon, but. The way this is going right now, like there's like not even any competition in the division for us. Yeah, you're competing with LA. They're not gonna be able to keep this up. Anaheim, not gonna be able to, they're already starting to drop off a bit. Totally. Like maybe Edmonton gets the new coach bump a little bit, but they don't look like they have enough in the tank to no. unless Connor goes god mode for the last 45 games. Which could easily happen. Uh, yeah, probability is pretty high. All right, game status for Toronto because Markstrom was Markstrom was was the game uh, top performer, and fuck was he good? He was really good, and but I think the thing that was because it was kind of a weird game because if you just looked at the shots and were maybe watching that game, it was like well, Toronto had the puck like all night. They had forty eight shots. The Flames only had twenty six. But I thought the Flames did a pretty good job, like keeping things in control. They never let it 
get away from them. Right. And I mean, Markstrom had to make some really good saves and I'm not, I'm not undervaluing making 46 saves because we've had goalies in the past who let shitty goals in all the time at bad times in the game. But I mean, in terms of high danger chances, the Leafs had eight and the Flames had seven at five on five. So it was a, it was a closer game. Um, then I think you might have uh, thought walking away from it. So uh, Leafs had 48 shots, like I said, to the Flames 26. Power play goes one for five. Penalty kill is perfect again. God damn, that penalty kill is good. Yep. Shot attempts 57-37 in favor of Toronto. Scoring chances 23-16. And high danger chances 8-7 to seven for the Leafs. So. Well, and that's, that's what you're saying is even though they lost – pretty much every every game stat metric the high danger st- chances were 8 to 7 for Toronto and that's how that's how the flames kept the game they buried in theirs and they they limited Toronto's high danger yeah exactly shut the door Markstrom shut the door when he needed to and for 46 saves is no small feat so that's a really solid win and you beat them up physically and you beat the piss out of them. And you made Leafs Nation fucking piss themselves again. And have an existential crisis. Ooh, we can't even beat Calgary. Um, <laughs> the league didn't even like bother looking at that hit, did they? Dude, that was clean as shit. I, I don't know how anyone can say that's a headshot. Like, there is not a more perfect, like, Andre Caution needs some watch and Don Cherry. Keep your head up, bud. Because, like, he's, he's got clocked a bunch of times. In his career, I don't know. That was a perfect hit. I don't. Yeah, like, that was that was so perfect. I don't if, even. Where people are seeing head contact, I'm not. Because... If you, yeah, like they're like taking a, a freeze frame photo of like right when he gets hit. You know, but it's like if you look at Zadorov, his entire arm, the length of his arm, because where did where does? It's like he clotheslined him more than anything. It was just he caught him with his head down. Yeah. Just fucking demolish the it's guy. It's a perfect open ice body check. That is that is the best hit of the year. That's textbook beautiful hit. All right, let's go to the New York Islanders. Markstrom starts again, which I'm starting to get used to. I pulled the the fan base before before the game. Where are you at with this? Are you okay with this? Because um, I'm starting personally to just trust Dar- everything Daryl does. <laughs> I don't know about you, but now. I'm just like, okay, well, whatever. If Daryl thinks Markstrom should start, I'm just going to fucking trust it. Well, what I'm thinking of is everything that I Daryl does is in relation to having this team win a Stanley Cup. Do you get fucking nights off in the playoffs? Nope. Do you split your starts between your goalies in the playoffs? Nope. So then why would you do it in the regular season? 55% of fans say they're fine with it, that they trust Daryl. 20% said they're starting to worry about the overplaying of Markstrom. 25 said he's playing too much. Well, is he hurt? No. Then what's the problem? And and the other thing, too, is we're shellacking teams right now. Outside of Toronto, you're dominating other teams. You're not traveling. You just had the all-star break. I mean, there's a lot of factors going into it, but did Markstrom have much fucking action on the shutout against Vegas? Dude, how many shots? Like, they didn't even have that many shots. 
they only had like what 28 shots the 33 like 19 scoring chances like it's pretty low-key night for him totally low-key night they vegas did not show up to play so i'm just trying i'm I'm at a place or whatever i'm not even gonna try and just figure out what daryl should do i'm just sitting back and enjoying it well and daryl's just trying to he's trying to win games and he's trying to play a long game he's not like He's not going to change his game plan just because, like, oh, I feel like I should get Vladar in. Like, he's not thinking on that level. No, he's he's got a he's got a far better view than than we do. Going like, oh, are you is Markstrom going to be tired or is is uh, Vladar need to get to, like he doesn't give a I I I'm sure he doesn't give much of a fuck about Vladar's confidence. Right, like his like, oh, you gotta get Vladar in there, give him some confidence. It's like they're just trying to win games. It's all that matters. Yeah, and like you say, he's playing the long game, so I'm trust. He knows what the long, how to win in the long game. That's so. why he was brought in because he's won two Stanley Cups because he's been to the Stanley Cup final four, four times, three times, I think four times. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. So Rajitka open, opens the scoring with a sweet dish from Anderson. This was just like. Okay, the the Hannafin feed was good, but on this one, Anderson's doing the whole loop thing. You're like, oh fuck, here we go. But then he right, he finds him right in front in the slot all alone. Great Dude, he had so much time to put that in. He was just like he's picked it up, looked up at the net. Oh, I got some nice net, flick it in. It was like, wow. And what a revelation having your fourth line center, a young guy. Basically, a call up cement a spot into this roster because he's just been fucking. How could you send him back down? Well, again, he's this doing is, everything. He's yeah. playing solid defensively, solid physical, big big player plays big, scoring goals now. And I think this is a criticism a lot of people who aren't familiar with Daryl Sutter would lev- would levy at Daryl is like, oh, he doesn't give young guys a chance. It's like bullshit. Um, like Oliver Shillington's finally playing under Daryl Sutter. Adam Rzichka has been playing and earning his ice time under Daryl Sutter. If you know anything about Daryl, he's, he doesn't have, he will, he will let young guys play if they can play. Yep. And I mean, yes, I was part of this argument too. I would rather see either Phillips or Pelche in over Richie, but I was sure as shit see DeFoley over those two. So yeah, exactly. That this is what the GM should have done instead of trying to rely on, you know, taking away from developmental games from, well, I don't know how much development Phillips needs more, but I mean, Daryl even mentioned this again when he was asked about DeFoley. Because when Daryl was the coach, DeFoley was still developing in the AHL, becoming a good player there before he came up with the Kings and Daryl was part of that process. But I mean, Daryl's been talking a lot about, about developing players in the AHL. So now that your roster is is playing the way it is, I mean, how often does this happen when your NHL team is one of the best in the league and your AHL is one of the best in the league? Are we going to a good spot here right now or what? Dude, is Brad she living just like a genius? Brad? Are we going to have to or are we going to have to apologize? Dude, I'll apologize all day if they win a Stanley Cup. I don't care. <laughs> so what? 
I think we can we can say we can table the apology. It's like win a playoff round first, then maybe we can talk apology. Let's start with yeah. Let's start with winning two playoff games in a round first. Yeah, that'd be a good start. All right. So Johnny feeds Tanev. This is the go-ahead goal, right? And I mean, I'm we're starting to get used to this. We're starting to to develop an expectancy of what to expect from this team now. Have you noticed that? Yeah, exactly. There is a bar that is is there's a, a a bar that needs to be met every single night. It seems like in in eighteen nineteen, we were at a point where we're just like, oh, yeah, we're kind of expecting to win tonight. Yeah, you're down two nothing going to the third. You expect a comeback. It's like you you've seen it enough times. You develop enough trust. You develop you, you develop the expectation of what this team is going to produce, right? So. Flames come out, open up the scoring against the Islanders. You're like, yeah, okay, cool. Um, this is going to – we've got a good chance of winning this game. The boys are ready again. Tanner scores another big goal, head goal. And then it, it just, it's just kind of a runaway from there. It's just Yeah, just shut it down. This was another fucking great game. Monty Pony scores his 24th. 24! Yeah, like you said, he's on pace for 44 goals. I think that Tanev goal was the, the turning point. Because that game was kind of a bit, it wasn't a snooze fest, but there wasn't a ton going on. That's a game that could easily have gotten away from the Flames. Um, but I thought that Tanev goal was a huge turning point. Big time. The Gabranson trickler is was the solidifier. Dude, it's like crazy when Gabranson's like, like he. I think somebody tweeted it's like the first time he's had more than like ten points with with a team. Is that true? Where's all this defensive scoring coming from lately? Dude, it's wild. It's wild. Like how many? Okay, Shillington scored. Hannafin has scored. Anderson's been setting up goals. Gabranson scored. Like you've seen Zadorov snipe quite a few times. So this is the first time since. Uh, since 2014-15 uh, with the Panthers, that Erica Branson has had more than uh, 10, has hit double digits in points. It's only halfway through the season. Yeah. Was that his first? No, how many goals did he have? I think he's got two. I think that was his second. I'm trying to remember when the first one was, and I can't. You said there was a fight in this game. Was it Branson? Yeah, it was Gabranson and Ross Johnson. It was a couple of big boys. It was a long one. Oh, yeah. This was where there was – Gabranson didn't connect, but, fuck, you watch the replay. He was so close to just KOing this guy. There's one where he just, like, buries his fist into the guy's shoulder pad, and it's like, if yeah. that had connected, that guy would have been dead. Oh, man, there was a few there. Like, that guy was lucky he didn't get Dude, KO'd. they got to take the helmet rule off. Of take the helmet off? You have to take your helmet off. Yeah, you're looking at it. He's looking at his knuckles after these fights here. Like, like it's shit. just brutal. Like, these guys are going to fight, right? And the thing about the NHL is, like, they, they have all this dumb virtue signaling shit where it's like, yeah, oh, we see players' health. They don't give a fuck about players' head injuries at all. So they're going to fight. Let them fight. But is it safer to wear your helmet in a fight? Is it? Not for your hands, but for your head. Well, how many guys fall and hit their heads though? Just Zach Cassian. Just Cassian. <laughs> so that's that's a good thing though, right? No one yeah, cares. Exactly. About... Nobody cares. <laughs> All right. Uh, game status. 
I hate Zach Cassian so much. Has he been playing this year? I don't know. I think he's been, loser. I think he's been in another lineup. How can we not beat Edmonton, dude? Yeah, can we just beat the fucking Oilers? Anyways. Will, we have how many games? We got four more games before we play the Oilers. I would gladly lose all four just to beat the Oilers. Totally. I want the – fuck. We match up so much better. Ah, I cannot wait to watch Foley play. Holy shit. Anyways, Flames have 29 shots. The Islanders 21. The power play sucks again. Only 0 for 1. Penalty kill uh, was 1 for th- – or 2 for 3. Shot attempts for the Flames at 5 on 5. 66 to the Islanders. 40. Scoring chances 32 to 21 for the Flames. High danger chances 9 to 6 for the Flames. Adam Rzichko with the with the highest game score. He picks up two primary points. Has a 97.2 5 on 5 expected goals 4 percentage. Holy wow. cow. He wow. was great. He was great. That line was great. Dude, he is. He's playing well. Fuck, it's awesome. So awesome. Dude, he looks really good. Like I said, every time I see him, like, you know, you you kind of forget. 63 is a weird number. I always think he's Monaghan. He looks like a young Monaghan, except uh, better at defense. Before, uh, so on our last podcast, before, this was just at the end of the, all during the All-Star break. We're looking at the schedule, and you're like, oh, shit. Vegas and Toronto, and then Islanders. Man, this isn't going to be easy. Even though you got all these home games, these are tough opponents. You get through the, all three of those games, three in a row. You won six straight. You just picked up Foley. You have Columbus and Anaheim on back-to-back nights. Then Seattle, Winnipeg, Vancouver. Like, keep making hay. Dude, this, keep making this, hay like this. This I haven't been this like I said since the twenty eight heading into the playoff series against the Avalanche, where it looked like we were going to be cruising to a Stanley Cup. I haven't been this stoked. So maybe that means it's all going to fall apart again. <laughs> Man, so good. So hopefully, um, my biggest thing, my biggest excitement for Defoli, obviously the goal scoring, but this is the type of player we've needed to make our power play. Um, actually dangerous. He, I, I hope to see him on, on PP1 soon. I doubt he's going to be there game one, but I don't see how you keep this guy off the first power play. No, I don't think you can, especially given that he's a right-hand shot. And um, and I mean, I guess the Flames do have Lindholm and Anderson on the on the top power play as a right-hand shot. I mean, it'd be one thing. And I mean, Daryl even called out Monaghan's inability to score the other game. Did you hear that? Um, Did he? Yeah, he, he said... Like Monaghan had that chance right in the slot on the power play, and he just fucking shot it right into Campbell's chest. And Daryl was like, "Yeah, Ma, Sean had a great chance in the slot, and he shot it right at the Maple Leaf." Um, so he knows Monaghan has trouble burying it. But I think that's what I'm hopefully the most excited about is not only just Toffoli, but the fact that if Toffoli plays with Dubé and Monaghan, maybe he can get Monaghan rolling again a bit. Totally. All right, um, there's your three games recap. We're super excited about this trade. What do you, uh, anything else you want to touch on? Closing thoughts. I love Daryl Sutter. Dude, I'm like, fuck, dude. I don't know how I can be more excited to be a Flames fan right now. Like, how could you be more excited? This is all we've ever asked for. It's all we've ever asked for. This is it. We got it. Brad's done it. I'm just looking at uh, Tyler Foley's pictures. There's that one uh, picture of him celebrating on one knee where he just did the Superman with his 
arms fucking like oh man this guy this is gonna be exciting dude dude and i just i can't wait to watch them play like are is there a team again if backland line is playing that well the top line's the best line in the league i don't know if there's many other teams that have you know that's solid of a top like we've we've gone from being like so down on the forward ranks to like you add to Foley and it just makes a world of difference. Your whole entire top nine now is fucking legit. I would say as Lombardi has always talks about, it's all about slotting and like now players can slot appropriately. Yeah. But like you're saying though, Backlund is the linchpin to make this work. Cause if he, if he's not making it work now you have Sean and, and Backlund that don't belong Right, because you yeah. can't put Monahan in two C. Yeah, I think he's fine as a three C as long as, and if Backlund can keep it up, man, then yeah, Backlund has to keep it up. He has to. Everybody slots, and then it's like now it's your twelve, all twelve, all four lines, fucking solid. It wouldn't be as imperative for Backlund to keep it up if Monahan didn't suck now, but it's like even more imperative now. Yeah. 